Good morning. Part two in the series called Carol's Heart, the Herald Angels Sing. How many of you know that song? Okay, Most, all, almost all of you. We sang it this morning. I remember learning this and many of the carols as a little kid and didn't even know Christ. I, I knew he was the son of God that did not know Christ personally. And uh, I'm just, uh, man, I, it seems like every year that I walk with Christ, almost four decades, they just get richer and richer and richer. And would you agree with me, church? I just love these great carols, and they have a lot of theological and spiritual and biblical truth. And we're just trying to look at these. Uh, you know, we, if I ask you, do you have a favorite Christmas movie? I mean, I could get you to fight about that, couldn't I? You go, oh, this is my favorite movie. This is mine. And probably the most uh, current day favorite movie is Elf, right? So many people, I mean, it, and I know there's no spiritual content, okay? They love Elf. And of course, I love mine, and it has spiritual content. It's a wonderful life. But uh, <laughs> I guess it has some. But at the very end of that, you, you know, the whole story of George Bailey and, you know, he, he sacrifices so much to stay there in Bedford Falls and live his life. And it's always fun when you watch that in black and white. It makes me remember being a kid, yeah, before we had color. But at the very end of that movie, when things are starting to really happen for George and his family, they break out in this song, Hark the Herald the Angels Sing. And this morning, we're going we're gonna to kind of go through that. There's like three stanzas. There's actually is I've been studying a lot about hymns and about carols. It's amazing how long some of these songs started and how they've just been shortened over the centuries and, and they've been edited. And we'll talk about that some this morning. But this one was written by Charles Wesley. He was the brother of John Wesley, the founder of Methodism. And he was a prolific hymn songwriter. And we have so many of our hymns. If you look at any hymnals of different denominations, they, some of them come from Wesley. And he wrote this particular song. As a matter of fact, look there at the very top of your outline. Originally titled, The Hymn for Christmas Day. But, I mean, that's how it started. Of course, we don't know that. But as, as, you, do, as you do research and study this, you realize, okay. And then he had some words that we'll talk about in a minute. They were extremely archaic but you got to remember, in the 1700s, 1800s, that was way before any of us lived, you know, people talk differently, their language is different. So if we sang some of the words that he wrote originally, you'd be like, huh? Like, here, here's the one that I've always laughed about over the years. I raise my Ebenezer, and people will sing that song, and, and I, I just go up to people to pick on them and go, what's an Ebenezer? And they're like, uh, Scrooge? No, no, no. What's an Ebenezer? And it's a praise stone. It's a praise memorial. I raise my Ebenezer. So a lot of times we sing these old songs, these old carols, and we're like, man, it's got a great tune. Although some of these songs, they didn't start with the greatest of tunes, and they got changed, and people took a license to like change into a more current melody of the day. But it's just fascinating. I, I, the more I study about these hymns and carols, I just get more excited about what God's doing and how things have changed. And yet, originally... The way that this uh, carol got in the hymnal for the Anglicans is that they needed one more song. I mean, wouldn't you, wouldn't you hate to know that your song got in because they needed one more? They didn't say because it was great. They said because we needed one more, it got added. It's like, you, know, you remember when you used to buy albums? <laughs> yeah. How many of you remember when we used to buy vinyl? And, and the young people went, what's vinyl? Yeah, all right, whatever. Well, anyway, I, I can remember it was a really big thing growing up, and you'd go out, and you'd get all these albums and stuff, and, and you'd, listen to these, you'd listen to these albums, and they had some good songs, but you always had some songs that were what? Well, I wouldn't be that ugly. I just said less than. 
They weren't very good. And what's interesting is sometimes there'll be songs on an album and it doesn't make it. And then like 10 years from now, they'll, they'll replay, they'll redo one of the songs and it becomes a hit. Like, I know that song. Like, you don't know that song, Dad. You're too old. Well, I do know that song. And we sang it in the 70s. <laughs> you thought that was funny, huh? And, and it was better. And, all right, so anyway, somebody's going to get ticked off at me in a minute. All right, so here, here's what. Uh, songs of Charles Wesley, Oh, for a Thousand Tongues to Sing. Anybody know that one? Great song. People have redone it. Christ the Lord is Risen Today. When he wrote this one, it was less than a year at Aldersgate for where he was converted to become a follower of Jesus. So when you read the words of this particular uh, carol, you see uh, that you, you see that redemption in it. It's because redemption was so uh, precious and it was dear to his heart and it just happened. Now, he sang this hymn, listen to this, to Christ the Lord is risen today. Okay, I'm not going to sing it, but it drags. And so people took it and they changed the tune, they changed the melody. And you're saying, man, I'm glad they did. They could change it again. I wouldn't care. But there was this guy, he was a great preacher. I'm going to tell you a little history. And his name was George Whitfield. And him and Wesley were like contemporaries. But in those days, we didn't have probably the copyright laws or whatever, suing people. But people would just take hymns and they would just change them. And it ticked Charles Wesley off. Whitfield did not ask permission to change the words to the song. And Wesley got upset. But guess what? The version that Whitfield did was much better than Wesley's. Guess which one caught on? Whitfield. And, uh, and then I, I, as I was studying this, I learned that the melody, some of the stuff changed after the light life of Wesley. It, I even read this one thing. It says that Wesley would not even sing this hymn anymore. He was so disgusted with his friend. I know you're like, but they were Christians. Okay, let me ask you this. Do you have any Christians you don't get along with? <laughs> Are they in this room? Stand up. No, no, no. I mean, yeah, I mean, sometimes we just don't get along. It's like, hey, it didn't work out very good. It, it needed help. It was kind of draggy or whatever. But uh, anyway, it was interesting in the 1800s, 1850s, I began to change some of the stuff on it. But on this particular song, I, I just, I want, I want to read some of it to you. I'm going to read you the first two stanzas, and then I'll do the third at the end. Listen to this. Hark the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king, peace on earth, and mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. Remember I said he was all about redemption. He'd just been converted. Joyful all you nations rise. Join the triumph of the skies. With angelic host proclaim, Christ is born. Hark the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn king. Second stanza. Christ by highest heaven adored. Christ the everlasting Lord. Last in time behold him come offspring of a virgin's womb. And we, last week I talked about how important a virgin birth was. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see, held the incarnate deity. Let me just stop there. Isn't that, don't you love that line? Not as much as I do. I just, I love that. I, I think it's powerful. Right, you're saying, okay, you're old, okay. Please this man with men to dwell. Jesus, our Emmanuel, hark the herald, the angels sing. Glory to Y'all are catching on. Hey, by the, by the time we get to Christmas Day, we're going to have so much fun in here. So, so I'm telling you about this great carol of the faith, the great carol of Christmas, and how things got changed. But basically, it's just hung around decade after decade. And your kids are learning it. My grandkids will learn this. I mean, I'm just thinking it, it's powerful. It, it has staying power. But listen to this. When it first started, this is the way Wesley wrote it. Can you imagine us singing this? 
Hark how all the welkin rings. Huh? Let me say it again. Hark how all the welkin rings. How many of you are glad that somebody changed it? Do you know what a welkin is? I didn't think so. I didn't either. I had to look it up. Listen to this. It refers to the sky, to the heavens, to the firmament of heavens, the celestial fear of angels. It's, it's things above. And I'm so glad we don't sing hark the welkin rings. I mean, that just doesn't really kind of do it for me. And maybe it does for you. But the, the bottom line is, he's like, this is no ordinary birth. This is the birth of the Christ child. This is the, the birth of the man of heaven, the God child. And he comes near. You know, John in uh, chapter 1, verse 14, I love where he says, And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, full of grace and truth. Isn't that who Jesus is? He's grace. Remember that series we did on grace recently? He's truth. He's the complete truth of God, manifested in human form. And, and I say this all the time, just to make sure everybody knows, that's called the incarnation. It's just a great, big theological word. But the incarnation of God is the coming of Christ. And when in here he, he starts, he goes, Hark, herald, the angels sing. Now, I want you to look, the, the text this morning, I want you to look at the very top. It's Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 14. And we'll read it here later. And you've read this probably many times. I read it every Christmas season over and over and over. But when you read this, it does not say here that the angels sang. You're like, you're messing with the song. Quit doing that. Now, they could have sang. They could have spoken. They could have done a chant. But it doesn't necessarily say that they sang. And some of you are like, you, don't do that. I, when you do that, that messes me up. There's a lot of things that we accept into our Christology, our study of Christ, and they're not necessarily biblical, but angels are biblical. How many of you believe in angels this morning? Absolutely. I mean, angels are real. And it's fitting that the most important birth was proclaimed by the supernatural. Angels do not uh, have souls. Angels were not redeemed by the blood of Christ. Angels are ministering agents of salvation for us. Angels take us to be in the presence of Jesus. Are you grateful for angels this morning? As a matter of fact, in, in the uh, Old Testament, 108 times we see the word angel. And it, so there's angel sightings all through the Old Testament. And in the New Testament, 165 times. Now let me give you a biblical portrait of angels since I've kind of messed you up. They're spirit beings and they were created before mankind. But they are spirit. They just don't have a soul like us. They, they serve and worship God on a voluntarily basis. They worship. They adhere honor. They elevate the worth of God. They're at the throne of Christ, and they worship. And also, the Bible says that angels can appear in different forms. Do you believe that? One scripture says, you've entertained angels unaware. Some of you are like, have you ever had a situation happen and you didn't really think it happened, but you know it happened, but nobody else thinks it happened or they didn't see it happen, and you think God maybe just did some angelic activities? Has that ever happened to anybody besides me? I, I believe we entertain angels a lot more. Now, some of you, you're looking for a demon behind every bush. I'm not that guy either. And I'm not looking for an angel behind every bush. But I do believe that angels are ministering spirits 
And, and I've literally, I've prayed many times for the angels to protect my children, my grandchildren, my, my wife, my family, you, this church. I believe that they're guardian angels, that God has a ministry for them. And Isaiah, uh, but every, he, he talks about angels. And whenever you see angels in the scripture, there's always this word. And you write it down if you want to today. Fear not. You see, when Isaiah describes angel, uh, angels, listen to this. He goes, six wings and flying. Would that not scare the bajukas out of you too? That's a Greek word. No, I just made it up. Okay. I mean, some of these angels we read about Scripture, and they have eyes all around their head and, and big, like, okay, um, I, here, here's the best thing I can do. I, I, I can't believe I'm going to work this analogy in, but it'll work. I'm an Auburn Tiger fan. Y'all know that. Okay. And we have a war eagle at Auburn. We have an eagle. And you see it on TV. You've seen it at the Olympics. And that eagle is majestic. But one time when my pastor friend Ray Johnston was here, LeBaron was good enough to get us really good tickets and took us to the game. And do you remember this, LeBaron? And we, we were up in these really good seats. And we went down to, to, the, game, to the field because I wanted to see uh, I wanted my friend to experience the Southeastern Conference. And somebody here said, you should have taken to a Bama game. Well, okay, well, just this is a story, okay? Y'all got an elephant, okay? All right, so here we go. So I just thought I'd throw that in. I mean, somebody's got to throw some kind of jab. All you got to do is win national universe championships. Okay, so we, we go down, and we come up on the elevator. And we get on this elevator, and we're riding up. True story. The person with the eagle steps into our elevator. And I'm like face to face with the eagle. And there was this, and, and I'm just going, whoa. And you remember that, LeBaron? And, and Ray goes, awesome. And this one guy, I don't know what he was thinking. I think he'd been to the North Pole breakfast and had too much sugar, but was not thinking. He reached over to touch the eagle. And the eagle went, whoa. And the wings spread out, and my eyes went, whoa. It was awesome. And then the guy said, Put your hands in your pocket. It will tear you up. I thought, yeah, you thought us Auburn Tigers were weak, did you? And, but but here, here's why I tell you that story, because I can. No, here's the other reason I tell you that story. I'm thinking these angels, they're magnificent creatures. We just think, we, we get TV, and we get, we get the show touched by an angel, and it looks like her, and it looks like him. Well, maybe they do. But I think angels also, it says they appear in many forms. And it says, hark the herald, the angels sing. In Revelation 5.11, 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands and thousands of angels. The Bible says there's a great company of heavenly hosts. Heavenly hosts, I think, refers to angels. I think it was magnificent. Matter of fact, I don't think my vocabulary is near good enough. No. I don't think mankind's vocabulary can touch the adequacy of God. Can y'all? To describe the love and the power of Christ. So here it is, this, this, uh, this Christmas concert. Now, I don't know if they sang, but, but for the sake of the story, let's say out there with the heavenly host, they were singing and man, they were like bringing it. I mean, I'm talking like Celine Dion, Whitney Houston, just name your artist. I mean, they're wearing it out. Did I get anybody's attention by that? Probably not. Okay. I mean, I just think this, I mean, like Chris Wyckoff in this angelic choir, April singing. I mean, it's going to be good, you know? Some of you are like, okay, you're using too much imagination today. So a lot of, a lot of angels here, a lot of activity in their they're rejoicing over the fact that God has come. God has left heaven 
to become one of us, to dwell, to live among us for 33 years, to offer his life up is the pure, holy sacrifice, acceptable to the Father. That's gospel. That if we might believe, if we might put our trust alone in Jesus Christ, embrace Christ, receive Christ, be rooted in Christ, we might have eternal life. And the church said, that's good news. There's nothing about Frosty and Rudolph and any of that in the Christmas story, church. Now, Jeremy and I were just talking a minute ago about some of these things are cute, and, and I'm not trying to, like, man, you just poo-pooed on my Christmas. No. I can't believe I said that, but I can think of a better way to say it. Okay. But I want us to focus in on, on Christ every day. Amen? And I want us to make him and tell people, man, Merry Christmas, and I love Christ, and I rejoice. The Bible says that angels rejoice when somebody's converted. Somebody is born again. Somebody comes to faith in Christ. The Bible says there is celebration in heaven. When I came to Christ, they celebrated. When you came to Christ, they celebrated. If you come to Christ, the angels will celebrate in heaven. Glory to God in the highest. This birth announcement. And so he goes all through here. And, and Let's go back to this first part. He says, God and sinners reconcile through Jesus. Man, that is so much hope that the birth of the son that the angels had announced give us life. And there's this peace that comes. And as a result of the peace, they gave glory to God in the highest. God and sinners have come near. God and sinners are now made right. And then there's these shepherds. And, and you read about the shepherds in Scripture. And they're out watching the flock. And, and this heavenly host appears or Gabriel comes near. And then this big multitude. And you, you see it there in the gospel writing. And shepherds are lowly people. Some said they were scum. Some said they were just uneducated people. Some said they just stunk. And, and they probably did stink. I mean, they, they had to work 24-7. They stood out in the fields with livestock, and they took care of the sheep. So it wasn't like this noble profession. But what I find is, audience, what I find is interesting is that Jesus is known as the gentle shepherd. He, he is known as the sheep is the, is the Lamb of God that gives us life as a sacrifice. So it's so many reasons I think Jesus said, I'm appearing to shepherds because I want everybody to know I didn't come for the people that graduated from rabbinical school or they were the religious people in the temple. I came for all mankind. I came even for the lowliest and I came for the high. But then all the symbolism that Jesus is a shepherd, that Jesus is a lamb that, you know, I, I, I've wondered... How about when they were out there watching the flock? How about if any of those lambs, what if some of those had been for going to temple to make sacrifice at the temple? That they would cut the lamb and they would shed the blood and it would run through the basin of the altar. And here it is, the Son of God appears knowing that he will be the ultimate sacrifice of the Father. And he'll come and he'll shed his blood and Man, so God chooses them, I think, because of their position, because they're lowly, because they're uneducated. Write down this verse, 1 Corinthians 1.26. 1 Corinthians 1.26. Listen to Paul. The text says that not many mighty and noble are chosen, but God chooses the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. God loves the humble of heart. God loves the shepherd. No, God loves me. God loves you. And just, to me, Christ just puts us in a right place. And, 
maybe we're in the margins of society, the margins of life. We've been marginalized by whatever situation, our own choosing, by what's happened to us. But I know Christ comes for us. He comes for the Almighty, the up and up. He comes for the down and out. But Christ comes for all people. Do you believe that, church? All people. All people are welcome in this house of worship. This is a temple. This is a church that Christ has built. This is Christ's body. We're the body of Christ. And, and here he is. I mean, he, he comes and he gives us life. And I just think about how awesome that this baby literally changes everything. I read this story. I, I thought it was interesting. It's kind of a, an analogy. It was published in 1868, a long time ago, in the Overland Monthly. The Roaring Camp was supposed to be, according to the story, the meanest, toughest mining town in the West. There were murderers in a terrible place inhabited entirely by men, except for one woman who tried to serve all these gangsters. Her name was Cherokee Sal. She died while giving birth to a baby boy. The men took the baby, naming him Thomas Luck, thinking he would bring them luck and they would put him in a box with some old rags under him. When they looked at him, they decided that it didn't look right. They sent one of the men 80 miles away to get a rosewood cradle. He brought it back. He put the rags and the baby in the rosewood cradle. Cradle? I don't know what a cradle is. I know what a cradle is. <laughs> Sorry. And the rags didn't look right there, so they sent another person out to Sacramento, and he came back with some beautiful silk and lace blankets and put the baby wrapped around those blankets in the rosewood cradle. And it looked fine until someone happened to notice that the floor was filthy, so these hardened, dirty, scoundrel, tough men got down their hands and knees, and they scrubbed the floor until it was clean. And, of course, that, all that did was make the walls and the ceiling appear dirty, so they began to clean and clean the windows, and they washed down the walls and everything, and now things were beginning to look as though they should. And they had to give up a lot of their fighting because the babies slept a lot and babies can't sleep during a brawl. Okay, let's stop there. Have you ever told your kids, be quiet in that voice? Be quiet. Your sister is sleeping. If she gets up, she's yours. Okay. All right. So this whole temperature in this roaring camp seemed to go down. And they used to take him out and set him by the entrance to the mine in the rosewood cradle. And they could see him. They came up and somebody noticed where the dirty place was. So they planted flowers and they made the nice garden there. It looked quite beautiful. And they would bring his shiny little stones and they'd bring him stones and find them uh, different stuff. And when they put their hands down next to his hands, they looked so dirty. So they went to the general store and they began to buy soap and they began to clean and take baths and wash themselves and shave and have perfume. And the baby changed everything. And I tell you that story just thinking, did the baby Jesus not change everything? You know, this is a great little story, whether it's true or not. <laughs> it's a good story. But, <laughs> but these rough people were changed by a baby. I think about this. I, I've seen burly guys, and they have, a, it, well, they don't have babies, but their wives have babies. And, and they become a dad, and they are reduced to nothing. I mean, babies just have a way of doing that. Like yesterday, I'm over here with the little kids and little bigger kids, and I'm down on my hands and knees, and they're throwing cotton, which is fake snow in my mouth in the name of Jesus. It's fine. And I'm wearing a reindeer hat. I'll do anything. I just want to love these kids. I want to let them. I mean, you'll do, how many of you would do ridiculous things with little kids? You would never do those with adults because you're too good. Okay, here we go. So look at these concepts in the middle of the page. Okay, you got to change this word. It's driving me nuts. I'm sorry I didn't catch it. The word is deity, D-E-I-T-Y, deity. It's not deity, okay? 
See, I've drawn attention to you now, and it's going to drive you nuts. And the rest of you are like, I can't spell anyway, brother. You shouldn't even told me. I just said Christ, deity. 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 Okay, the deity of Christ. Christ by heaven adorned. We sang about that a minute ago with Chris. And in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with, was with God, and the Word was God. And then he talks about his virgin birth. Remember last weekend? Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, and the virgin will be with child, and he will give, and she will give birth, and his name will be. Y'all are listening. Good job. And then it talks about his incarnation in this verse I read to you a minute ago. Veiled in flesh in the Godhead see, held the incarnate deity. I, I mean, I just I love this language. It, it, and then his humanity that Hebrews teaches that we have such a high priest, but he can identify with us because he was tempted at every point, just like us. And the Bible says, in Jesus' sin, not. Just write down Hebrews 4.15. So all this scripture, all this is packed in to this song of faith. But I want to go back to this word, hark. How many of you, how many of you used the word lately? Hark! Blake, hark! Blake would be like, huh? Hark. I mean, who uses hark? Right, what, what does it mean? I'm going to get you to fill it in right here. It means to pay attention to, to listen. I dare you to use that at your family today. Hark! They're going to think you're weird. They said, no, you probably went to church. Okay. But here's hark. Pay attention. Listen. Listen to the voice of God. Listen to your parents. They paid me to say that. Okay. But listen. And then he goes, and, and, and here he, he talks about hell. The heaven-born prince of peace in the third verse, it means to acclaim, to salute, to celebrate, to acknowledge. It means to give worship that is due the one who brings light and life and in healing and eternal salvation. But we give worship. Now you look at it, you go, hell, like, is that a hell storm? No, 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 no. Hell, acknowledge Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Jesus Christ, my Redeemer. Jesus Christ, my Savior. Jesus Christ, my King. I, I just love this here. Is, is this, uh, Carol just draws us into worship. But look there at the text. Luke 2, 8 and following. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Wouldn't you be terrified if this great light came on you? And the angel said to them, do not be afraid. And I've preached all about that over the years. But the bottom line is, Jesus is with us. Don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people today in the town of David. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ. You didn't convince nobody. He is Christ. Very good. All right, pay attention. Here we go. All right. All right. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly host Guys, this is amazing. Appeared with the angel praising. And that's probably the, uh, everybody says they think that angel probably was Gabriel. But then there's this multitude. And I don't even know if they have names. Who knows? But it appeared and said, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. I love that. You're like, man, that's a great Christmas card. It is a great Christmas card. You say, that's a great scripture. It is. But it's the truth. So I want you to just fill in just a couple little blanks. I'm just doing just a few blanks in this series. Number one, 
take, take comfort. Take comfort in Christ. Take comfort in what these herald angels are messengers. They're proclaimers. They bring good news that Christ, the Savior, is born. They announce a royal message. You, you, you remember, uh, uh, not Prince Harry, uh, help me, his brother. Yeah, how can I forget that? William. William. When William and Kate, when they have children, is it a big deal? Oh, yeah, I mean, everybody stops in the world because there's a royal announcement. There's children born. Guys, this is the baby of babies. So there's this great proclamation. Look at the second one. Worship the Savior. I, I love that. We worship the Savior Christ. We worship the anointed one. We worship the Messiah. We worship him with a sincere desire that we want to bless him and praise him. We develop an expectant spirit that we say, Lord God, pour out your spirit upon us. Can I just get you to consider this, this Christmas season? Ask Jesus to pour out his spirit on your life. Ask him to pour out revelation to you as you read his word, as you get to know him better. And then choose to express joy. You know, I look around, some of you do, some of you don't, and it doesn't make you more spiritual, but you can. I just can't control myself when I worship. I ride down the road sometimes and I drive on my knees. You know what I'm saying? I know you're saying, well, I do that. I'm putting on my makeup and talking on my cell phone, and I drive on my knees. All right, well, that's another story. Okay. But in my study around here in this living room, I love to worship with my hands. My hands express gratitude. My hands express who I am. Have you ever noticed I talk with my hands? And counseling, if you come to me for counseling and you're really got a, a super, super deep problem and I'm really super intrigued and I'm not sure what to do, I learned this in, in, in college or seminary or both. This is very effective. I take these hands that worship God. I take these hands that want to strangle. I mean, I take these hands that want to help you and I do this. You know why I do that? I can't talk. And I have to listen. That's a tip. I just helped somebody out. You know what I'm saying? Somebody went, Mom, that's my problem. I don't, I don't sit. Oh, I'm about to get strangled here. Oh, that didn't feel, that was fun for you to watch. That wasn't very fun for me. Okay, here we go. So we, all right, let's keep going. Express joy. And then we decide to humble ourselves. And then look at this. And then he tells us to receive the gift of peace here. You know, this Christmas season, could you slow down a little bit in all your hectic running? talking to myself, just talking out loud. And Lord, say, you're the most important. I want to worship you. I want to choose to draw near to you and receive your peace because it's available. These shepherds, they certainly weren't silent. They went out and they proclaimed of what they had seen, of what they had witnessed. To me, that's our invite value at Christ Community. I've experienced Christ. I want you to. I want to tell you about Jesus. I, I want you to have your sins forgiven. I want you to have a relationship. I want you to get rid of your guilt. I want you to be liberated. I want you to be forgiven. I want you to be free. I want you to have joy. I want you to have hope. I want you to move from depression to joy. I want you to move from whatever, exchange what you have for what Christ has. Is that a good word, church? This Christmas, receive Christ anew, afresh. Receive his peace. I'll tell you what, you talk to Doug Gimlick in our church. He just got his second hip replacement in his young life. And he's telling everybody, new titanium hip can run fast soon, doing good. I mean, he's telling people, he's not like, 
Yeah, hip replacement. Shoot, that hip cost him tens of thousands of dollars. I'd be telling people too. Which greater is? He won't be sitting in a chair anymore. He'll be standing up playing his instrument to the glory of Christ. That's been his whole thing. I can't wait to chase my kids. And he has his work cut out. You ever seen Luke? I'm just saying. I'm just thinking, man, Luke, you're, Luke is not in here. Oh, and this isn't being recorded because all the machines are messed up. But I'm just saying, Luke, your dad's going to catch you. You're in trouble, dude. Okay, let's keep moving. Bethlehem. What's Bethlehem? It's about the crib. But the crib goes to a cross. So Bethlehem's really about the crib of Christ. It's about the cross of Christ. But I like this one. Christmas is about the crown of Christ. Christ is royalty. Jesus is Lord. He's king. He's God. He's come near. And, and the chorus says, Joyful all you nations rise. Join the triumph of the skies. With angelic hosts proclaim, Christ is born in Bethlehem. Lord, we're grateful for you. We, we worship you. We adore you. We bow before you. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead. We see the, in, uh, the incarnation, the deity of Christ. What Jesus comes to offer, the Prince of Peace. Listen to this third verse. Hail the heaven-born of Prince of Peace. Hail the Son of Righteousness. Light and life to all he brings. Risen with healing in his wings. Mild he lays his glory by. Born that man may nor made no more may die born to raise the sons of earth i love this born to give them yeah i love that heart the herald angels sing glory to the newborn king and that's christ and that's this wonderful carol that we were looking at that christ brings light and life healing and christ brings victory over death I'm going to ask Chris or somebody or Melanie or somebody to come to the piano, but I just want to say healing, healing in his wings. Christ is a redeemer. Jesus is a healer. How many of you believe Jesus is your healer this morning? He is mine. I review that truth every morning. I go, Lord Jesus Christ, you are my living hope. But then I tell him, Jesus, you're my healer. I need healing. And then I go on to say, in Jesus, you're my helper. You help me when I'm in need. Man, I tell you what, I mess up a lot. I need a lot of help. Am I in good company this morning? Do you need help? Your wife ever told you, you need help. Your mom ever told you, you need help. Your daddy ever said, boy, you need. Your teacher ever said, you need help. Just life. Man, I just need help. I need Christ to come near. I need him to transform me. I need him to change me. I need, I need him to move in my life. I need to perceive him that Christ became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. That's Christmas, beholding the glory of Christ. And then the Bible just says, and we believe in his name. Yet to all who received him, he gave the right. He, he gave the power to become children. When we believe on Christ. Oh, this Christmas, man. I wish this Christmas, you know, I've been thinking lately about some of my friends that have passed away this year. And I just thought, man, they're home. They're home for heaven. I've often, I cannot wait to get on the other side. Now, I, I don't want y'all to think I'm getting ready to check out this afternoon, okay? But I am ready. Are you ready? Because I'm just warning the, the, your first Christmas in heaven. Oh, my goodness. 
Just think about that 93-year-old I did that funeral for the other day. Wow. Bob is in heaven today. Just thinking. You could fill in the names of people you love, but you, would you receive Christ and become his child? That's what I see. This, this carol, you could just print it out and just look at the, the, the verses, the stanzas, and go, man, this is a rich song of faith. There's no fluff in it. It's just theology. It's just, it's just scripture. It's just conversion. It's just Christ. It's just his power. And then I've got this last thought. So Jesus comes to lowly shepherds, the low rung of society. And I think it's interesting that Jesus doesn't come to the blue bloods of society or to Rome or Athens or Jerusalem. But Jesus came to the blue-collar workers of Bethlehem. And this morning, your blue blood, your blue collar, Christ came for you. Let's pray. Jesus, it is so good to be in your house with your kids. And maybe there's some that can't call you Father today, and I pray they would cry out and call on Jesus to be their Savior, their Messiah, their Lord, their King. I pray that you would move people to salvation today, receive Christ fully if they've never done that, to know you. Lord, we worship you this Christmas Advent season. You're a great God. And I love this song, Heart the Herald Angels Sing. Make us a people that sing that Jesus is enough. In the name of Christ, amen.